Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here for the Tuesday edition of Hot Bite with Hunting Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. You're streaming the show live across uh, multiple platforms, outkick.com, YouTube, and more. We say thanks. Same goes for if you're listening live to this great radio partner. Chad's been a fun show. Solid guests with Jim Nagy and John McClain. And uh, that continues as we kick off the final hour. I feel good about this next guest. Yes, Trey Someone Wallace. we know very well. Trey Wallace joins us. feel very good about senior it. Senior reporter at Outkick.com for college football, who was in Atlanta as Bama took home the SEC championship. Trey, hope things are well. And I, I'm, I'm curious from this perspective. Bama wins the SEC title post-game. What was the sentiment or the feel of the media members who were there wondering who was in and who was out? Was, it, was there a consensus of Georgia's not getting in? Or was there some fear that, well, the SEC champion may not get in? I think the I think the biggest thing. Good afternoon, guys. Hope you're well. I, I think the biggest thing that I took away from it, and and talking with folks, and, and talking with folks in the SEC, as well, that they they were really pushing for that one spot, no matter what happened in that title game. They were pushing for okay, we've got to get Alabama and Georgia in this mix. They knew that two was going to be hard, but that's why you saw Greg Sankey stomping, stomping all week long on every network you could. Uh, leading up to this game and talking about the SEC and and their schedules this year and the predicament that they're in that Georgia might be left out but Alabama could get in and you know things had to really fit and and, and you know the Big 12 playoff championship game had to to play out in the right way you know earlier in the day before the SEC and then when it came to the nighttime look there was there was nothing they can control Alabama did what they had to do to to get in uh and Georgia you know, was the one that had to sit back. There was more of a feeling in there of, okay, Alabama's in, but and from the SEC's point of mind, by the mm-hmm. way, Alabama's in, but what, what what can we do to try to push Georgia in over these next couple hours? Like, that was the biggest takeaway from me. Yeah, and it's, it, it's crazy, too, to think, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the Florida State slight and all that. I, I don't want to get back into that here. But immediately to me, and even Jim Harbaugh is saying it, um, it, Alabama feels like the big-time favorite. Even though Vegas has Michigan as a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, just the perception is that it's almost going to be a surprise if one loss Alabama doesn't win this tournament and win this national championship based on the way they're playing and based off of that win over Georgia. Do you kind of feel the same way about the perception of them coming in? (laughs) Well, I, I do right now, and, and think about this, if we just said this a month and a half ago with this Alabama football team, because there were there were so many unanswers, uh, questions yeah. and unanswered about Alabama. So you look at it now compared to where we're going in now. You know, you got Michigan in the Rose Bowl. I thought that they would try to play it in some way and somehow put Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, but with the rankings, you had to put Texas in front of Alabama 
There's no way to getting around that. So now you look at it in, in Alabama coming into this thing, things are really starting to click for the tide. And everybody is looking at this as a Nick Saban masterpiece. You know, Nick, Nick Saban, look what happened against South Florida and look what happened against Texas. But look where they are right now. They're building that up. And, they, and, and honestly, Alabama deserves it. I think they have played well. But we also can't forget at the same time, this is an Alabama team that, that struggled with Auburn in the Iron Bowl. You know, this is an Alabama team that, that looked pretty wobbly, I would say, at times during the season. So it's interesting to see folks put Alabama on this pedestal right now. Even They're in the top four, and I get that. And they just beat Georgia. But after everything we've seen this season, and then you look at what Michigan has done, and it's like, Okay, are folks like sleeping on Michigan right now? Why why are you sleeping on Michigan? I got to see this Wolverines team in person. I know what that defense can do. I know what they can do on offense when things get rolling. So once again, we're in this situation in the playoffs now where Alabama's in and everybody thinks it's some foregone conclusion. We're going to get Alabama and maybe Texas in a rematch, but man, you can't look past the Wolverines. This is a team that will beat you in the Rose Bowl. They're going to have to prove it up front. The Wolverines will after seeing what we've seen uh, the last couple of seasons. Um, Trey Wallace with us, Outkick.com's college football reporter. So uh, let's stick with Michigan for a moment because you mentioned the consistency or lack thereof of Bama week in and week out, but they continue to win unless it was the Longhorns that came and and beat them. Uh, Michigan just shows up player-wise and wins. And and if they don't dominate, it's a close game, but it doesn't feel like it's really uh, uh, in the opponent's hands at all for them. It feels like it's it's not going to be much of a finish. Um, from this perspective, Trey, we just saw the Big Ten commissioner have to hand out the trophy to Michigan. We may have to see that happen as well for the national championship. And if you would have told me that Michigan was going to be the number one team going into the college football playoff, with all of the, the the talk that we've done about them, I would have said there's no way that we're not using that storyline as the discussion point of every possible show, uh, every every controversy, given what has gone on this year. But here we are with Florida State and Alabama taking that away. And I do agree that we're kind of overlooking Michigan to this point, which is hard to fathom given the fact that we just saw a storyline play out last week in Indianapolis. It's interesting. I, I, I spoke with somebody at Michigan uh, last night leading up to, to everything that's going on after the, the playoff shows and all of that and everything is getting settled down. And, you know, they, they kind of said to me, we we're going back and forth. It's like they're not talking about us much now, right? You know, and, and that comes after – and what he's getting at is that, you know, for, for two months the college football world centered around Connor Stallions in Michigan. And if Michigan – was worthy enough to play for a national championship with a coach that's been suspended twice in one season. But then you look at it, and let's be honest, over the last 48 hours since Saturday at noon, after Tony Petiti handed that trophy, not to Jim Harbaugh, but to Zach Zinner, the offensive lineman, there hasn't been any talk about the investigation or Connor Stallions or the playoffs or anything that's going to be um, you know, an asterisk by it or anything. I haven't seen anything. I and I haven't wanted to talk about it to be honest with you because I think that that story was beat down enough in itself. But I think when we get into a spot with Michigan right now, and you and you look at the circus that was around them, 
it's almost like a news cycle, guys. It's like everything, everybody, okay, we're going to hit them hard for two months, and then, okay, we're going to move on to the next subject. The next subject was Florida State getting yeah. left out. And now you look at it where we're at, where you could have Jim Harbaugh after, and just think about this just for a second, like really hard. Jim Harbaugh, suspended for the first three games of the regular season, suspended for the last three games of the regular season, comes back, coaches in the Big Ten Championship. Now he has a shot to win a national championship. And can you imagine everybody, that Michigan versus the world mentality that they started going with, the Connor Stallions ordeal? elevate that times 10. And that's what you're going to get from Michigan. Now, Michigan, look, they feel like that they have a point to prove there's people in that athletic department that feel like they were wronged by the big 10 and they want to stick it to the NCAA. There's no better way to put it. That's it. They want to stick it to the NCAA. And by doing that, you win a national championship and you sit up there on that platform and you accept that trophy and you watch the confetti come down and you do that, and you make sure people understand, hey, look, you guys tried to screw us earlier in the season, but look what we've done now. I, I it just, again, it's a quiet us-against-the-world mentality right now, and they've got Alabama standing in their way, and we haven't even talked about Washington, Texas. Yeah, and Trey, a, a quick detour away from the college football playoff, because I know you talk to a yeah. lot of people around bowl selection. If you can, just illustrate the craziness of the horse trading that goes on on that Sunday <laughs> – with the conferences and the bowls and everyone on the edge of their seat to find out what's going to happen. And this year, maybe no greater example of that than whatever went on with the ACC and a lot of indecision from that conference on where they were going to slot teams for bowl games. Okay. I, I, I will, I will, I, 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 this is an interesting topic. I will read you something that I got from an SEC official. Please do the yeah. other night on, on Sunday night in, in regards to the bowls. And it says the chain reaction to everything is because of the decision is insane in regards to the Florida State, even outside the playoff. Uh, Tennessee to Orlando, Kentucky to Jacksonville, Music City was getting Auburn, Wisconsin, then lost Wisconsin, who went to Tampa and allowed LSU to go to Tampa since they didn't play Notre Dame. NC State to the Pop-Tarts, last minute, Ole Miss to a New Year's Six. And this official said he left that morning thinking Ole Miss and the Citrus Bowl were a done deal. Then the rankings wouldn't work out. All of a sudden, it got insane. So what happened from another layer, too, is the ACC guys, the ACC presidents and athletic directors could not come to an agreement on where to send their teams. This is why all of a sudden Notre Dame, out of all teams, and we know how Notre Dame travels and we know their family, Notre Dame ended up in El Paso, guys playing in that ball. You look at how things played out, and they were in that meeting. They would not take a vote. At the end, there was another report out there that said they had to pull, I think it was Notre Dame, out of a hat uh, to see where they ended up at. But the chain reactions to these bowl games and who you're going to get, that's why it's like, you know, you might think you have somebody at first, but then the SEC could come in and say, no, 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 we're going to switch that one up. Duke was another one. Duke was hell-bent. And this is nothing against the Birmingham Bowl and the great people down there. But Duke was hell-bent on not going to that Birmingham Bowl. They got outvoted. You were They were told you were going to Birmingham. So there's a lot of lobbying that goes on in these bowl games. It's pretty funny, to be honest with you, to see some of these athletic directors kind of squirm a little bit because they don't want to go here or there. 
but it, it is chaotic. You guys have got stories. I know you do. Yeah. It, it is chaotic behind the scenes in the fact that, you know, Tennessee, you know, like Tennessee, okay, their Gator Bowl, you know, LSU was thinking another thing. And all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss sneaks in to the Peach Bowl. And like the Citrus is like, well, okay, I guess we get 30,000 Tennessee fans down here. Lucky us. It's just, it's just a wild situation that goes on behind the scenes. And you can't avoid those rematches as well. So bowl season, a lot of politicking. And don't forget, too, these bowls have massive payouts. Uh, and you don't want to end up at one that gives you maybe a million compared to one that gives you, you know, eight or nine. What do you make of the transfer portal right now, Trey, and all the quarterback movement that we're about to see or, or have seen already? I, I think this has all just been leading up to it. I, I think that the last month of the regular season, there have been a lot of phone calls around college football to quarterbacks, whether it's through back channels or whether it's through, you know, if, you, if you're if you brave enough, you call the person yourself and talk to them to get them to go. I mean, there, there's, you know, and I think like, let's take for instance, like Riley Leonard, at Duke, who was going to Notre Dame this weekend, uh, you know, the first place that you heard Riley Leonard was going to go was Notre Dame. Yeah. And, and there's a reason for that. Like these conversations go on. I, you know, I, I look at them, you know, Dante Moore from UCLA, a Grayson McCall, who Auburn desperately wanted last year. Auburn, Hugh Free, that would have been Hugh Freeze's quarterback this past season if some of his uh, classes would have transferred over to Auburn. So this is just a, a another microcosm of the craziness of college football that there are over, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I looked at the number. I think there's a 1,000 players in the transfer portal right now coming off the last two days. And, and, and with the quarterbacks, they're out there, guys, you know, two, three, four million dollars. There was a report today uh, by Dog Nation that Connor Beck, I mean, I'm sorry, Carson Beck at Georgia is asking for $4 million to return next season and be the quarterback at Georgia. It's mind-blowing the stuff that's out there right now and the amount of money that these players are trying to get. But if you're looking for it, it was at dognation.com, and it came from Mike Griffith, who you both know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that it's just the, the money is so wild to me, guys, that we're at that point, and it keeps going and going and going. I talked to a coach yesterday who told me that the first thing the person, the representative, let me rephrase that, not the player, the representative talked about is, well, look, we got $500,000 lined up over here from this school. If y'all, if you guys can either match it or go a little higher, I think I can sway my client, meaning the player. The coach was flabbergasted by it, the amount of money. And, and we're talking about a defensive lineman like, and, and not a, not a, Top 25 defensive linemen. So it just goes to show you where we are right now uh, in college football and NILs and whatnot. And um, I see the NCAA was trying to get involved a little bit today, but that, that thing's got a long way to go. Trey's got you covered at outkick.com. You can check out the Trey Wallace podcast as well. Trey, thank you as always, and uh, we will catch up soon. Guys, I look forward to it. We've got a big month ahead, a lot of great coverage leading up to the college football playoffs, and we will be on site and uh, keep up the great work. Love to, hear, love to see you guys. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank Have you, Trey. There's Trey Wallace, outkick.com. Uh, he's headed over to the Outkick store. He's going to grab some gear, I'm sure. Oh, Having yeah. some sent to him. It's a new playing field for the Outkick store. Outkick.com. You go to shop.outkick.com, and you can check out the favorite polos of ours. You've got T-shirts and more shop.outkick.com we're offering a 
buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. And to score this, all you got to do is visit shop.outkick.com. You add the items to your cart and the discount will be automatically applied right there. You can get the, the dad hat that Chad pointed out yesterday. He's got it's, his eye um, on that one. Yeah. The, that, I didn't know there was a, a specific dad hat, but now I know. And now I also know that I believe our buddy Clay Travis spoke with Stephen A. Smith. Are we going to have some of that when yeah. we come back? Discussing contracts because McAfee, who, <laughs> Chad, you played a clip during. McAfee just uh, cusses on every ESPN platform regardless of the time of day and somehow gets away with it. And he's got the millions, what, 10 million a year or something? A lot. Uh, yeah, he's the highest paid personality for ESPN. And Stephen A. Smith was. And now he's got a contract that's coming up next year. Clay asked him about that. We'll dive into uh, his answer with that and more. Uh, the full interview available on the Outkick YouTube page where we're broadcasting live right now. You can join Chad in the chat. Also streaming at outkick.com. We'll discuss that. Plus, uh, we've got a lot of headlines, including Deion Sanders and more. Florida State and whether or not if Dion is the guy there, what would have happened? That's we'll an never interesting know. question to ask. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chad, there's no real question about who drives the ship at ESPN, really. You know, Stephen A. and McAfee right now, right? I think those are two They're of the top, top dogs. I'd put Scott, Scott Van, Van Pelt. SVP's the best. On that. Uh, as far as, like, game talent that calls games. Well, the highest paid is Aikman for yeah, Monday Night Football. It's Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> it's the right. ones we mentioned. Yeah. Because I still don't even think of – I think of Aikman as Aikman. I don't think of Aikman I, as ESPN. I agree. Right? Yeah. You, you think of the name, not the, the brand associated, right? Yep. Uh, Clay Travis uh, sat down uh, and chatted with Stephen A. yesterday, and the full interview is available uh, with Outkick's YouTube page right now. But uh, Stephen A. Smith's contract is up next year, and right now the highest-paid personality is Pat McAfee. And – we can guess who's about to be the highest paid. And I always say I root for everybody in media to make more money on each new contract, just like right. probably every starting quarterback in the NFL roots for the guy mm -hmm. whose contract's up to make more. Heck, I hope you get uh, unbelievable numbers. I hope I pick up the newspaper. I still like to read old school newspapers. And I see how much money you got. Is it important to you based on the way the first time ended at ESPN that you are the highest paid person on ESPN given the work that you're doing for them? Do you think that should be the case? Yes. I'm not stuttering. Hell yes. That's absolutely true. I've mastered my own business. In the world of sports television, Clay Travis, I've been number one for 12 years. Come April 1st, we'll mark yep. 12 consecutive years I've been number one. Not only have I been number one every year, I've been number one every week and every month of every year for the last 12 years. You don't get to say that about too many people. Um, I look at 
whether it's Pat McAfee, it's Mike Greenberg, it's Scott Van Pelt, it's Troy Aikman, it's Joe Buck, it's Kirk Herbstreet, the list goes on and on. I'm so honored to have the colleagues that I have that I work with at ESPN every day. And at the end of the day, it would be nice one day for this man to stand before everyone and be like, this is not, I'm number one, and this says I'm number one. Now, one would argue that that may have been the case years ago before because I got my money and then Troy Aikman, I'm sorry, not Troy Aikman, but Tony Romo got his from CBS or whatever the case may be. But I'm not just a talent. I'm a business. I have my own production company. Like you said, I've got my own YouTube channel. I've got my own show. It's not even just a podcast. It's a show with a fully loaded television studio. That's what I built for myself. You know, that could go linear or digital. The list goes on and on. I'm doing all of these things. I'm not doing all of that to be in second place. I'm not doing all of that to look up at somebody else and see that they're making more than me when I'm producing superior ratings and revenue. No, I'm not doing that. And I'm not apologizing for anybody for it. So it's not, um, I've been treated incredibly well by ESPN. I expect to continue to be well treated well by ESPN. Again, I've got great relationships and what have you, but this is a business and Disney has a right to run its business the way it sees fit. ESPN does as well, but if they do, so do I. I hope that we're able to work it out. I'm confident that we will because I'm incredibly happy there. But we'll see. Stephen A., uh, who joined Clay Travis in that full interview uh, with OutKick, you can find right now on the YouTube page for OutKick. Just search and subscribe there. Uh, blunt to the point. And, yeah, at one point he was atop the list for a brief moment in time. Uh, then there was Aikman. Then there was McAfee. And now there's Stephen A. coming up. He mentioned Herb Street. That's another good example of one of the top dogs at ESPN. Yeah, I would say. Once he said that, I nodded and thought, yeah, Herb Street's right up there towards the top of ESPN personalities as well. I'm ready to give him the bag after hearing that, honestly. That was a very succinct, yep. well-made argument by him. Not a lot of outlying emotion behind it. Just here's, here's the metrics. Here's what I've done. Here's how long I've done it. Yeah, I deserve to be the highest paid guy. At ESPN, I thought he made his case very well. And regardless of what you think about Stephen A. Smith's style or some of his opinions or whatever it may be, the dude is very, very good at what he does. And he makes compelling arguments, and he does so in a way that's entertaining um, or at least is in a way that gets a response from people, and it's worked Well, I think for years and years now. By and large, the four that I think of that are well-prepared and that are informed, Stephen A. Smith... Skip Bayless, yep, but also Kornheiser and Wilbon, yep. Those are the four that I think of, um, and you're going in a direction where it's more, you know, entertainment with the McAfee aspect. But I mean, that's great for ESPN, who pivot who is able to pivot off of where they were going, which is in a direction where no one wanted to watch their product, and now they're trying to get Stephen A. and everyone else in lockstep for the future, and. You know, they had 7,000 cuts roughly recently over the last several months. Yeah, I mean... So it, they're, they're, they're gearing up for what's going to be... You mentioned the bag. They're going to have to throw it at him. Because he's already... Well, and they, a lot of what we, what we talk about with Stephen A. Smith comes from the Stephen A. Smith show, which is his podcast. Yeah. Not from first take. And he mentioned that. And I know. And that's, that's the platform that is being promoted anytime that we bring his name up when we cover other media outlets, you know? Now, he's also, he's done a great job for ESPN, but let's not be foolish about it. ESPN has done a lot 
to expand his profile and give him that platform to where he's made the most of it and done a great job with it. But that's all because of ESPN that, that, you know, in, in, in large part yeah. as to the exposure that he's got. Now he's taken that and branched off and he mentioned his own YouTube channel, his own production company, everything else. It's very good. And he does a great job with all of it. Pat McAfee is the example of, Oh, here's why guys were let go and girls at ESPN because of the Pat McAfee contract, right? Well, Pat McAfee went on first take today with Stephen A. Smith, and this is interesting timing with Clay's interview with Stephen A. Smith because he went right at it and said, hey, uh, you know, Georgia is mad, and they've been mad at me all year because I get a lot of money from ESPN and Steve Young is let go and Susie Colber, and then I take David Pollock's spot on college game day, and they blame me for it. So it was a fun experience when I got to pick Alabama on Saturday against them and make them even more angry with me. That's all interesting because, A, it's a little odd that he's naming a bunch of people that ESPN laid off on an ESPN show. Right. And I don't know. He's not necessarily bragging about those people losing their job, but saying fans were mad at me about it, so it was good to stick it to those fans that were mad at me about me making this money and then people they liked being let go from ESPN. Um but that timed up with Stephen A. Smith going on Clay's show and saying, I want to be the highest paid person at ESPN. I, I just You know what it feels we, like? We've worked at bit, you know, we work for a big corporation now. We've worked at corporate radio. We we've we've been side employees for smaller companies. Like we've kind of seen the different ins and outs of the business. Yeah. I just wonder how all of that stuff is truly received that we'll never know about because Pat McAfee and Stephen A. Smith are probably never going to publicly talk about it from their corporate bosses at Disney. But all of that stuff's very interesting to me, just the inside business of yeah, it. Yeah, but think about every show that they tried to model off of Stephen A. Smith and Bayless with First Take. Yeah. You know, that, oh, yeah. that did not hit because you can't just pretend, you can't read off a prompter and have it be authentic, you know? And, and that's, they need him. And it feels like to me, this... This has a Nance Romo type feel for me. Romo's getting roughly seventeen million. McAfee reportedly signed a five-year, eighty-five million dollar deal. So that's seventeen, and you've got Stephen A., who's I believe roughly the reports are twelve, thirteen, and I think Nance was making like seven at the time, and then his deal was up. Yeah, you know? I, I think it's also. It's interesting to me how these big businesses decide to spend their money yeah. when it comes to that because I, I believe Stephen A. Smith is more and, – and Hutton, you may totally disagree and tell me if so, and others may disagree also. I think what Stephen A. Smith does for the company and ESPN is far more valuable than what Joe Buck does or Troy Aikman does or the top college basketball or college football teams. Why? Because Stephen A. Smith is occupying a time slot that's many more hours during the week, and he is making money for the company. And people do watch those shows, and they sell advertising in it, and they make a lot of money for the company. And he's got a pretty unique skill set that people have tried to imitate that is uniquely Stephen A. Smith. Again, whether you love him or hate him. And whether you love him or hate him doesn't matter because you know who he is, yeah. and he's talked about it. But I think that is more valuable to a company than two people calling an NFL game that you're going to watch no matter who's calling it. 
Uh, I think we could get into the value. Now, look, they're good. I, I'm not claiming that what anybody's doing is, is easy or any of that. But the amount of money that's being put there, where you could put it here, here, or here, I just think that's an interesting question to throw out in well, terms of allocation of money that's being used because um, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson, I think, are good. I don't think people tune in just to watch Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson on games. Yet Fox has had some of the biggest games in their history this season that they called. Why? It's because they have the Dallas Cowboys at a specific time against a specific opponent. But, Not because they're calling the game. But look at the ratings of Joe Tessitore compared to Joe Buck for Monday Night Football. I'm not knocking Tessator because he was with a crew that was on a, you know, there a cart on the sideline for the, the color commentary. But it, did it, it really it, go that far up in that, I or mean, did they get better games? They have the. Because I know that's when the contract started turning, where the games started getting a little bit better on Monday Night Football. Well, but, but the it, better game, as long as it's close matchups, you're getting a better game. If you're and watching I, just for the sake of football and not the announcement. Yeah, it's, to me, it's just all so very, and, and this is all media to an extent, right? It's so very subjective on it that what corporate bosses look at when it comes to TV tandems is like uh, test studies of, hey, did the audience like you? Do they not? Do they tune out at a certain yeah. point? And I'm thinking, well, the audience is probably tuning out when the game gets out of hand. It's not because of something the announcer said. If it's a close game, if it's a compelling game, against opponents that people want to see, they're going to watch regardless of who's calling the game. Are they just and testing now, social media what I don't for know, people Chad, being upset or not about the broadcast? What I don't, I don't know. know is, like in week four and week five, they had the highest week four and the highest week five in the history of Monday Night Football or, or the ESPN era for Monday Night Football um, in what ESPN has seen ratings-wise. And 16.6 .6 million... 17.4, they had 22, 23 million in week one. Uh, this year's been better, even though the games necessarily aren't all that entertaining with the low scoring, you know? I, I do think... But I, just go back to chicken I, I don't and disagree the egg. with what you're saying about the value. Well, yeah, chicken and the egg. Is it because the NFL's ratings get better but, year after year and more people watch year after year? But they were and they had but, big games, no, but or is it because of the announcer? But, but, but with Tessator and that crew, it wasn't like it is now. Because there there is a... When you have the top crews, and you, it's the it's the perception of the top game, Nance and Romo, wherever they are, they're there for a reason, right? It's perceived to be the top game of the week that CBS has claimed to. Same would go for uh, Joe Buck, if you're listening to him on Fox at the time, but now with ESPN on Monday Night Football. And that's what we've been lacking with Al Michaels, the, the energy level, right? No one talked about that, yeah, by the way, with the most I, recent one. I think mentally we we com again, it's it's all about just the psychology of it. Like mentally, we associate the biggest broadcasters with the biggest games, but that's because those biggest broadcasters that have been at it the longest have been given the biggest games. So we're w all watching those games regardless. My question would be: Could you pay half of that to someone who's really good, and you're still going to watch the game, or are people actually not going to watch? Cowboys, but Eagles, I would, because it's someone who's not, you know, Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson. If it's so, if it's two other people, well, I, I don't I, know that it affects the ratings that much. I think it's more about matchup than announcer. Well, there's a reason why there is a huge discrepancy in pay for those guys and the rest. Oh, I should mention Tariko. Tariko's my favorite right now. I yeah. think he's awesome. Look, I, I'm not trying to take money from people, especially in sports media right now, uh, considering we're a part of it. I, I well, just. 
I'm just asking the question of what's the right way and the smart way to allocate uh, the money. And this is what ESPN's had to grapple with because they had to make all these layoffs, right? They found it more valuable. But who did they add, right? They added Pat McAfee, who fills a big void in the middle of their day, their broadcast day, with a very popular show that's going to be popular for them across linear and digital, younger audience, and someone who brings a different energy to College Game Day, which is a banner staple show of ESPN for years and years at a a traditional studio show, or not studio, but roaming studio show that they've had on for years. It's a big product for ESPN. And they've replaced what Susie Colbert was doing with Scott Van Pelt, which is just and not spreading as good. him more out. Yeah. Yeah. More on the plate for others. And that's a lot what Stephen A does that too. NBA, UFC, boxing. See, I think it's everywhere. harder. It's just it's all about what you want and what you're looking for and what you think is yep. most important for eyeballs. I think it's more difficult to find the right studio show and host to try to attract people to your network before the games than it is to find the right... I just think there's a lot of people who do a very good job calling the biggest NFL games. And it's not just the top ones. But also, we hear the top voices, and I'm, these, I'm the same way. These I studios, feel like it's a big event for that reason. I feel like we need seven people in this table the way they treat pregame shows. Yeah. I, they I, can't, get them, can't get enough on camera. No, let's, uh, let's get it wider and wider. Yeah. The overhead shot when they try to get everyone in it, there's you can group, barely see people on the table. There's a group here from uh, Germany today giving a t- getting a tour of the... Distillery. Let's just get them all here and just sit them around. It's like their football studio shows in Germany. On the bus, off the bus, coming up. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Fun show today. Six and Peabody Air location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, um, the question about Deion Sanders. Stephen A., we were discussing him. He said, hey, if Deion Sanders were the head coach at Florida State, there's no way the committee leaves them out. He's absolutely right. I mean, they, we did just see at Colorado game day, and big noon, both on campus for Colorado, Colorado State. If they're in that moment and they're unbeaten and you're asking yourself, can they win a national title? They wouldn't be because Dion would be leading the charge. Yeah, I mean, then I would ask, would Florida State ever be 13-0 and with Deion Sanders as head coach and not Mike Norvell? I, I don't know. I'm very curious to find out how this offseason goes for Deion Sanders in Colorado. Because it is not going well right now. Now, Deion Sanders has shown us before, the moment we think there's no chance, he rises up and comes up with something. And maybe they come up with a bunch of surprises between now and fall camp in terms of transfer portal and everything else. But I'm just not seeing how this is going to be a pleasant transition to the Big 12 for this Colorado team based on what they had this past year what they've lost in the portal and what they're not gaining in recruiting right now. So it's going to be hard. I now he's saying, look, we, I I, I just saw a report. They're trying to add multiple veteran quarterbacks. And he was asked why. And he said, because we're trying to win right now. The goal is to win right now at Colorado. We'll see. We will. 
Time to hop on the bus. We're on the bus, off the bus uh, each week. Davey Hudson's got us covered there. Where are we headed? It's funny. I mean, you're kind of mentioning uh, the state of Florida. If Dion were there, we're, we're actually going to start down in Florida and Miami. Right now, the Dolphins, they got a Monday Night Football game coming up, but the ACC is going to run through them. The AFC? What did I just say? You said that. I think you said the ACC. Maybe I just heard it wrong. Though I, that well, I'm off the bus with the ACC. Yes, with the Hurricanes. you should be. No. I, I'm the just, AFC. I'm well, looking ahead, is, but I do mean I, the when, AFC. Yes. Yeah. When I initially saw this, like I, I had to look at it twice because it is confusing. When it's the AFC, will run through Miami. In my mind, I was going <laughs> ACC, and I'm like, is Miami better than what I saw this year? Um, yeah, I, I, I think so, Hutton. I, I think that. <laughs> I like the makeup of their roster better than anyone else. I, I still need to see them beat the best yes. in the league, and they, they have not done that. They've feasted on their weak opponents, and they've struggled against good competition. But if you ask me right now, just explosive factor, who's going to be the toughest prep in the playoffs, yep. you're going to have to game plan some way to, to double up Tyreek Hill. He's joking about not being doubled this, this past Sunday and what that led to, and how that was a big break for them in that game. I think they're the best team in the AFC, but I still need to see a little more. The loss to the Chiefs is the most recent example. You have to go back to week three of last season to find a Dolphins team that beat a team with a winning record. Hmm. So uh, I'm off the bus with this. I think they are a threat to make it to the AFC championship game, but when they face the top-tier defenses, and Kansas City was has certainly been that defensively. They will play Baltimore coming up. And through the playoffs, they'll potentially be hosting games. But we could see them face a, a, a Bills team, potentially. You could see them face a Pittsburgh team, Houston, Jacksonville. I, there are matchups that are not a cakewalk, even though I think they will make it appear to be a cakewalk early on in the playoffs. I'm off the bus because I think it's still it's still for me between Kansas City and Baltimore. And right now I lean Baltimore for how their defense plays and the X factor, the explosive factor of Lamar Jackson. I I think it goes through Baltimore right now, not Miami. All right, guys. Well, we're going to stay in the AFC. And, you know, last night. We're going to stay in Florida also. We are. We are. So we're just uh, we are headed Florida up. Florida men right now. Uh, I, I can't remember if we're taking the A1A up to Jacksonville. Does A1A even go through Jacksonville? Uh, I should know this as the bus driver. I think it, yes. I think it starts in Jacksonville. Or if, okay. if, if we were on Outkick the Tailgate back in 21, we just we would tow the bus up to Jacksonville. Yeah. Bus would be there, but it would be towed to yep. get there. That's right. But right now, you know, there's still uncertainty as far as how long Trevor Lawrence is going to be out. Jack still atop the AFC South. But right now, the Jaguars are not going to win the AFC South. I think they're still going to win it. I'm off the bus on this. Um, I saw Dr. David Chow say earlier today that he thinks it's 50-50 that he plays this next game. <laughs> Talking about Trevor Lawrence oh. based on the injury he saw in the high ankle sprain. Said it's 50-50 that he's back uh, against the Browns. Um, is the Browns for the next game, yeah. right? Yeah. Which shocked me. I wouldn't want to play the if, Browns defense. If that's the case, I, I'm I'm off the bus on this. I think the Jags are still the AFC South champ. So Houston's seven and five, and Jacksonville is eight and four. Uh the head to head matters here for the, the tiebreaker scenarios that go into the final week of the season. The schedule for Houston is far easier 
down the stretch. And without Trevor Lawrence, I would roll with C.J. Stroud. I, I'm on the bus with the idea that Jacksonville is not going to be atop the AFC South at the end of this because Trevor Lawrence, based on what that looked like, it doesn't appear to me that he's going to play. But he did play through the knee injury earlier this year. Remember he was knocked out? Was it Thursday night football? Or was it Sunday? It was a primetime game. Uh, he went to the sideline with a knee issue and oh, then played, right, yeah. played the following week. If he plays, Davey, I'll be off the bus with this, but I'm assuming he's not. And for that, I think Houston has a great chance. They've got the Jets this week, for instance. C.J. Beathard would be going against Cleveland's defense. It's going to be fun, especially, too. I mean, you add the Colts into that mix with a, a first-year head coach like like the Texans. So yep. uh, the AFC South, it's going to be some great battles from here the on Panthers out. The Panthers could have had either coach, by the way. And they chose Frank Reich. Yeah. D'Amico Ryans or Shane Steichen. I'm sure they love that decision. You get that on the big jobs. But, guys, we're actually going to college football. We're going to the Birmingham, Alabama, right outside there. Hoover's where we, we should be going. And that's where the SEC headquarters are. But the SEC is going to win a fifth straight national championship. On the bus on this, uh, I think Alabama's going to win this thing. I really do. Watching that SEC championship game and watching the way – it just that whole sequence against Auburn, the fourth and 31 – and the Isaiah Bond touchdown. I'm th- I, I started to think then, boy, that feels like something even bigger than just beating Auburn in the Iron Bowl. That feels like this is a team that's now going to go on and win it all. They're going to beat Georgia next week. They're going to sneak their way in. They're going to go win it. I think this is clearly, to me, Michigan's biggest test this season. After what I saw from Ohio State against them, what I saw against Penn State, Michigan, last I checked, is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that is Alabama's toughest test. I think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Texas in a rematch. Hutton, I think the SEC is going to, in a crazy way, in a way none of us expected, they're going to win another national title. So I've said I think Washington can beat anyone. I hope they do. Michigan. Michigan, they're number one. They've been through everything. This team shows up and plays and plays well. They're not looking over their shoulder at distractions. Uh, this is why I love the matchups because Florida State's not presenting, at least to me, the toughest test for Michigan the way Alabama can present that toughest test. I'll go on the bus with this if if I'm counting Texas as the SEC. Oh, there you go. Because you want that out of Texas being the backup? I will take Bama or Texas over Michigan and Washington. The SEC will definitely claim it as a national title for them. It, but I there, there will that be chance of be the, it will be the there Big will 12. be SEC chance in the what, stadium yeah. if they win. What would that be like for the Big Twelve to claim it for a team that's leaving them? They like, should claim it. Well, they yeah. should claim it. They're in the Big Twelve this year. But you know, like as far as how the fans are going to react, that they're like, nope, you can't. Like Texas fans, they're obviously Texas, already upset. Oh no, the Big Twelve will claim it. I mean, they're not going to be happy about Texas winning. Are they going to give, give back the revenue split? Just well, I guess they're SEC not, now. Look, Just it's give not it to about the SEC. you know, it's it. This is not a gray area. Like they get it. it. They're in the Big Twelve for this one year. If Texas wins it next year. It's an SEC championship. But I, I, I'm, I'm not even joking. You know that there will be mock chance or chance of SEC, SEC yeah. if Texas is taking a knee and wins the national title. That will I, happen. I, I believe it's $80 million per conference represented per team. So, I mean, doing no, some, they're, they're doing Big 12 this year, trust me. <laughs> well, guys, uh, you know, talking about leaving a conference, we're going to go up to Charlotte and for our next on the bus, off the bus, Florida State. And Clemson leave the ACC within the next five years. 
I'm going to say I'm on the bus because I I don't think... I'm rolling with this, too. I don't think that... I don't think the ACC will exist in five years. Not in its current form. I think this Charlie Baker NCAA proposal that basically is going to separate the haves and the have-nots is going to separate football from everything else. And even if your other sports are playing in this everything else conference... I think it's taking it away. I, I really think the future is ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, everything else will cease to matter. And it's just whatever that central body is of high-level big boy college football. And Florida State and Clemson will definitely be playing high-level big boy college football. So I'm on the bus on this. I don't think the ACC is really around in its current form in five years. I don't think Florida State is sticking around and waiting on the new form. Um, Clemson may, but I, I don't feel like Florida State's going to sit around and not go ahead and file the paperwork like they didn't do at the deadline in August this past year. Um, case in point, they were already complaining about the fact they can't compete. And now they can't compete for a national championship despite being unbeaten in the ACC. And they're taking the $4 million to represent uh, represent against Georgia instead of what would be a $6 million payout for them just by showing up and playing the game. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that makes a dent in what their argument is about, but that's an example of what their argument is about. They were viewed as a team that can't win a national title without their starting quarterback. Uh, meanwhile, we have seen backup quarterbacks go on and play great uh, as backup QBs in the college football playoff. Um, it started with what, uh, trying to think of what Ohio State with Cardell Jones as an example. Now, they, they boat raced their final opponent like 59 to nothing with him playing. And then you had um, Tua come in for Bama yeah. against Georgia. So I, I think Florida State's going to bounce as soon as possible. Canell will be great on this tomorrow. The, uh, the, the ACC, the best tweet I think I saw over the weekend was from uh, the Reddit College Football account, and it was Joe Bluth from Arrest Development where he's wearing the uh, gown as he's in the hospital, and he's saying, I've made a grave mistake, and the comment surrounding it was Cal and Stanford realizing that they're traveling 3,000 miles away and giving up most of their media revenue to a conference that is viewed as a group of five. Yeah, it's tough. Tough for those SMU's two schools. doing that too, what, for, for, uh, for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> And paying, paying the money in order to get in is awesome if you got it. Win some, lose some. Speaking of losing Florida State's got to find it, Chad. The New York Jets have continued to struggle. And our final stop, we're headed to East Rutherford, New Jersey. And Robert Sala is fired at the end of the season. I'm going to go ahead and use the line that I did earlier in the show when I thought this question was being asked because I was looking at the, uh, the rundown at the time while also yep. navigating the chat. And I'll fall on the sword and say I didn't hear Davey's question earlier. I'll answer it right now. Unless there is someone else that plays ping pong with Aaron Rodgers that he wants as head coach, other than Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala will still be the head coach of the Jets. This is an Aaron Rodgers decision. And if it's not his buddy that's going to take that job, then it's no one. I think he's cool with Robert Sala. I think Robert Sala has kissed the feet of Aaron Rodgers enough to where he's cool with him. This is an Aaron Rodgers decision, Hudna. I am off the bus on this because Robert Sala will be retained. He'll be back to coach A-Rodge next year. Uh, not coach. 
uh, he will coach alongside a yes, Aaron yeah. Rodgers next year. I'm off the bus. You take special teams and defense. I'll take the offense, Robert. How about that? I've got we'll the offense. That. Yeah. Me and my co-ping-pong opponent. Hey, get your punt team under control over there, uh, all right, Robert? However, I'll handle the offense. However, if uh, Aaron Rodgers figures out that, um, well, the problem with the organization with leaks is from the head coach. Then he's out. Then he's out with the quote about uh, there's a problem with the organization uh, we need to get to the bottom of whatever this is coming from and put it to stop, uh, put a stop to it privately because there's no place for a winning culture where, and this isn't the only time, there's been a bunch of other leaks discussing the fact that maybe Wilson didn't want to take the ball and become the starter again for Then Aaron Rodgers will nominate Randall Cobb to be the next head coach to get his first opportunity to coach the New York yeah. Jets. Another buddy. Enjoy the evening. Great hoops games. We're back tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern.